What it is, everybody! Welcome to episode 140 of Fish and Connoisseur Movie. My name's David Pether. You can call me Fish. With me, as always, my favorite sack of shit. Connoisseur, hola, señorita. Oh, oh, sí, 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 sí. Oh, sí, sí, sí. Gracias, gracias. Hello. You've never done Spanish before. I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm, I always try and mix it up a little bit. You do. Some, a lot of the time it sucks, but that was okay. Like, All right. Well, it wasn't great. Fuck it, I mean, it was good, but... Oh, my yeah. God. It's good. It's good. No, no, no. It's good. But it just... It isn't. <laughs> <laughs> just be better at everything that just, you do in life. But I just didn't like the part where it existed. So... <laughs> Well, let's talk about if we like the part where King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, existed. Guy Ritchie doing a medieval knight film? Well, Guy Ritchie doing another franchise is the way I looked at it, because this is his third franchise that he's taken. Now, Sherlock Holmes, um, Man from Uncle mm. was a TV show, and now King Arthur, mm. which is an old, 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 you know, old school sort it's of an thing. Old but tale that has been passed it's an down old through the years. But he's years. got he's got bloody three of them now, which is three, cool. Yeah, well, Man of Uncle's not going anywhere. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, because <laughs> that movie was so so. Uh, we reviewed that yeah, one. It was a pretty meh. Did you? You didn't really like it that much. I feel like I liked it more. Yeah, more. no, it was pretty meh. It was it wasn't really my cup of tea, and I think this one shares a couple of similarities to it, which I'm okay, keen to talk well, about. But you're a massive Sherlock Holmes fan. I fucking... Well, see, this is the thing as well. I've only ever seen the first one a couple of times, but I've seen the, the forest sequence where they're running yeah, through the, the forest in Sherlock Holmes 2 is still, hands down, some of the best cinematic stuff I've ever seen. Like, I will go back and... I'll probably watch it after this review. Like, I'll go back and just watch that scene because I think it is just so perfect. Everything about that scene is so phenomenal. I can't get over it still. Mm. Like, even talking about now, I just love it so much. Yeah, it's weird hearing you get all jizzy about a movie so much because it doesn't happen very often. So no, it must it mean something. But it does mean something to me because I thought that the second Sherlock Holmes sucked. Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, but, but yeah. you know, it could have been... The cinema experience or whatever. I do want to go back and watch them, actually, because I did enjoy the first one. Um, in terms of Guy Ritchie's other works, I am a big fan of Snatch. I don't I love think Snatch. I've actually seen Lockstock all the way through. Um, Lockstock's great. I really like Lockstock. It's like, definitely feels, definitely feels like his first film. Like, it feels like a very, like, new film. It's not that I didn't like the film. It's just, I just never got across it. It was kind of like train spotting. you know? It was one of those movies that I knew about and I always wanted to watch, but never quite got to. Like I said, I like Snatch. I didn't like Rock and Roller when I watched it, but it's... I've never girl. seen Rock and Roller. Oh, man. Everyone seems to love it. So I really need to go back and watch that um, now because I feel like I've acquired his taste. Like when I was younger, I probably didn't really understand it. He's, he's very much like Quentin Tarantino. It didn't really make much sense to me when I was a kid. Yeah. It was just a bunch of cool music and people saying funny things. <laughs> but, well, he shoots uh, like he shoots things like their music videos. Is the way I look at it, like old mm. school grunge music videos. That's the way he shoots his. Yeah, films. I I actually kind of dig that. Well, let's talk about this version. It's it's a very weird sort of tale to get the guy Richie trip. Fuck, to get the guy Richie treatment treatment treatment. Is that what you're trying That's to say? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the guy cool, Richie, cool, the cool. guy Richie treatment. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> So it's a weird movie to get that. The, um, the guy, the guy Richie Treatment. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's so it's, right, it's, gotcha. a, it's a weird kind of movie to get that really. Cause like I look at this and I think Game of Thrones, you know, like it's, it's got the Game of Thrones fucking 
desaturated look. It's very medieval. You know, it's I just expect it to be a straight drama. But what can Guy Ritchie bring to this? So why don't you tell us the plot? Let me give you a bloody rundown. So King Arthur follows the before he pulls out Excalibur. So um, his dad gets killed by his brother because his brother wants to rule the kingdom. And Arthur's dad ruled the kingdom. So Arthur gets whisked away and ends up growing up in a whorehouse on the other side of England. Saving lots of money, extorting people. Pretty cool dude. Pretty sassy. And then the crazy king Jude Law uh, is told that the true king's coming back and you better bloody find him. And the sword has returned. Excalibur has returned in the stone. So... He's like, well, fuck, get every man, basically. And what he does is he gets every man to go to where the sword is, and then they try and pull it out. And if they can't pull it out, they get branded to show that they can't pull it out. Arthur gets raked into that, and he has to go, and of course he pulls the sword out, and then everyone knows he's the real deal. Basically, the film follows his rise as he basically struggles to accept that he has to become king, trying to control the power that is Excalibur, because Excalibur is basically like the fucking the, the the most op weapon in any video game like it's the most op shit it's the goal anyway game. yeah he finally learns to control it in the end and accepts his fate and kills jude law and becomes king of camelot and begins having the knights of the round table and that is the film i think oh and merlin's not in it at all supposedly there's supposed to be six of these movies but we'll I don't no, know if that's going no to way. There's not going to be six of these movies. <laughs> Come on, like get real. Well, look, I gotta let, let's start with the start. We we got Eric Banner, he's the the big daddy, big yeah. daddy king. These giant fuck off elephant things. Oh, it's so cool, so awesome! Like a hundred feet tall. I didn't even know what it was when it first because it has there's that great shot of it like a you know, like a flyover of the battlefield, I guess, at the front of the castle. And then you just see a trunk come down. Yeah. At first I thought it might be like a giant's arm, like sort of taking it out and it pulls out. And there's this giant elephants, war, war beasts. Very, very Lord of the Ringsy mm. Oliphants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very much. And um, Eric Banner. I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah. He's probably chilling out with all of his Hulk money. Um, uh, I think he's like real into car racing these days. I think that's like his... Oh, really? Yeah, he really loves his car. So I don't know if that's... They did a doco called um, Love the Beast or something like that a little while ago. Um, but I haven't really seen much of him. He was kind of like the flavor of a month probably about 10 years ago. And mm. it was good to see old Aussie fella getting out there, you know, killing it. I still think his best role was Chopper. Best Australian mm. movie of all time. I really like him here. I think he really suits this king and... He's kind of badass. He's pretty cool. I mean, he's only in it for five minutes, but he plays a good noble dude, doesn't he? He really has the <laughs> well, look of a He is in it for five dude. minutes, but he gets a lot of flashbacks because they want to keep does. pushing that, that Batman parent death scene. But, they, but it's the same flashback over and over again. It's not different sequences. It's the same flashback excessively. And then, he, then he gets taken out by Jude Law, in, who's in a big giant World of Warcraft Skyrim looking dude who throws a well, Jude, Jude, Jude Law is a good bad guy yeah he oh, plays yeah. a good evil dude doesn't he he's really got he's a got, look he's got that snake like yeah appearance. he's real snaky he'd play a great Nazi like he'd play a really good Nazi yeah, that's, yeah I agree I could see like that's that. that's how I see him and he's really good at it too like he does a really good job of sort of being really conniving and really fucked up like real sociopathic and I really quite enjoyed him um, on screen 
as well. Especially, you know, with what he wears, like his full king outfit. Like, he just looks so evil. Mm. He looks so nasty, doesn't he? I think the one thing I didn't like about Jude Law is that he doesn't do much. Uh, he's pretty much moping around for the whole movie. Yeah, which is very kingly of him, but I think, <laughs> I think like it is like it's a very king. Yeah, like yeah, that's, that's a, a lot of films do it with their kings and stuff. But I think I, I would have really valued him as a villain more if I knew he was sort of a force to be reckoned with. Because the only time he is is when he gets all dolled up as uh, Mr. Crazy Skull Man. Mm. But then that's not really Jude Law. It's like it's like when fucking Goku goes Super Saiyan, yeah, or yeah. the bad guy gets killed and comes back twice as strong. Like it's not the same thing. Well, what we're talk- well I'm, I'm actually quite confused as to what his power is because we find out early in the film that he's been training with the mages. He was in cahoots with the mage that was, you know, uh, running Ma- down Camelot Ma- and Eric Barner had something. to sort out. And yeah. then he sacrifices his wife, has to sacrifice something he loves into the, the waters that are under yeah, kills, Castle kills Camelot and those weird fucking octopus bitches come up and give him the power to be Goku. And... Uh, and then, he, you know, he cuts sick and kills people with that, I guess. But throughout the film, we see that he has been... he You know, he can conjure flames. He's He's got some mage power going on him. But it never really comes to pass, really. He doesn't really do anything with it. No, he doesn't. It's kind of like... And this is what I mean. Like, it, it, it's kind of hinted at, but he really is just a pretty useless king. And he's a pretty shit king, too, like, for the most part. The only thing he really does that's intelligent is the... Um, is the he gets the dummy of himself instead of him mm, um, to yeah, walk out? Yeah, That's the yeah. only thing he actually does as a villain. Like he kills like two people, but they're sort of like petty kills. Like they're not really anything. He just slits a couple of throats. But I kind of wanted him to be more evil. Like I wanted to see him be more conniving. No, you know I, I agree mean? because he because like you said, Jude Law is so strong as yeah. in in presence here that I feel like we need to be given something. And I have to think that there's a director's cut of this film because, like, otherwise he's really doing nothing. The biggest thing that I found was a a letdown with his particular character is, you know, towards the end, when we were just talking about his wife getting killed, he has to kill something he loves. And when Arthur comes back towards the end, like, jumping ahead a lot here, but when Arthur comes back towards the end and he has to sacrifice something else he loves, all of a sudden he has this daughter that is somebody that we could just kill off so he can have that power. Yeah. I saw this movie twice. I had to see it twice because the first time I saw it, I it was really late and I, I enjoyed it for what it was, um, but I wasn't quite sure where I was standing on it. Just and the first, the first time I came out of it, I said to my girlfriend back, I said, where the hell did that daughter come from? I didn't even know he had a daughter. <laughs> and then... And she's like, oh, no, there was a few scenes here, here, There's a here. couple of scenes, yeah. Yeah, and I went back and watched it, and yeah, they are, but fucking hell, they're fleeting. Like, she's just in the background, or like, he might just sort of say something to her, but there is no time where I actually believe that he loves her, and that she would be worth killing to get that power. Yeah. And like, because he's really good when he kills her in the scene at the end where he's like stabbing her in the, the Avery... Um, it's it's very like he's great. He starts screaming. He has to drag the body down. It's it's quite emotional, but there's been no setup for that emotion. And I feel like this character just has very little setup for what could have been a really powerful villain. Yeah, I mean, but this is what this film does, and it's a man. It's a guy Ritchie thing too, is to just gloss over things like that. 
like things just happen. It happens, it's been happening since Lockstock, it happens in Snatch, happens in all of them. Like, he always just has like these key characters and stuff just sort of exist. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. and, and like this film does it a lot. It is all there. It's just not there enough for me, at least for well, this you, Yeah, pers- you can fault it for sure, because I would, I would fault it. It's, I, well, I agree. It, it is a fault in, in a term, but like, you know, it's not like they've left it out. It is there. No. Like, his, like his daughter is in the movie, but what isn't there is the relationship between them, and that's, that's the letdown. But look, we want to talk about Guy Ritchie style. Like, this very much has Guy Ritchie all over it from the, the, you know, the snap editing which you were talking about, that very music video editing style, um, to the music. Now, I want to talk, like, I love this editing. Incredibly fast-paced and just moves the, the story along, which is something I always kind of get worried about with these uh, period pieces, especially medieval stuff. Like, Game of Thrones mm. does it really well because there's so many different interesting characters and we're able to cut from one scene to another and another. Because that, that show is basically just a, a show about people talking. But they're really clever in the way they do it. But a lot of these kind of films really slow down for me because I get bogged down in just it, it, the, the slowness of it. So I really appreciated the fast pace uh, sort of notion that's going on here. Like, let's be real. In the first three minutes, we get his entire childhood. Like that yeah, childhood that was montage. Oh, that was excellent. Yeah. I loved it. And, and like... I got it all, like, because it's, it's enough to show you that, you know, he's growing up from being a kid who's powerless and can't, you know, can't stop the guys from beating the whores in, his, in the whorehouse that he, he lives in. And then as he's getting older, he's, he's making money. He's, like, kind of getting around in the streets. People are starting to know him. He starts working out at the, at the dojo or whatever. You see that he's not that good a fighter, but he's all, all of a sudden he's strong enough to stop, you know, a drunken idiot beating on a chick in his house. And then just gets bigger and bigger and bigger till we see that he is a he's good with a sword and fuck we need we know everything we need to know and i just think that is so good and so efficient because that's where it could really get bogged down we could have had a whole half an hour of him as a kid i i i really did enjoy especially that in particular like the way he cuts together certain sequences to show he shows a lot without showing anything which is Mm. really cool Mm. Um, but at the same time, I think one of the biggest film problems this film has is its pacing because sometimes that editing, while very cool and stylistic, does get in the way of moments that I do want to see. And instead I get shit I don't want to see or instead I get a scene I'm like, okay, why am I seeing two minutes of this but I'm seeing 20 minutes of this? Like and what scenes that, are you talking about? Um, well, I mean, like the, when he's in the Darklands, that seems to be pretty much the, one of the biggest turning points for Arthur as a character. Mm. And we get it in four minutes instead of getting it. Like, I would have been very happy if that was a large part of the film. It would have been really cool. And, and then, you know, we get all this fucking time devoted to him sitting around in the bush contemplating whether or not he wants to be king. It felt like I was watching stuff at times that I, I, I sort of wish was glossed over. There are a lot of moments where he reconsiders if he wants to be king or not. And it oh, kind he of does. He refuses that call a lot. And it's <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, I get it, you know. Um, but then yeah, he like, I, I think like towards the last two times that he does it, it's probably two times too many. And it's like, well, just for, get on for, with it, man. For me, the final act of this film is the weakest part. Once they do their little shindig in Londinium and then it's, and then it's, you know, shit hits the fan in Camelot. That's when it drops to me. That's when I'm like, all right, I don't really care as much as I wish I did. All right, well, if that's the end of the film, should we leave that till the end? You yeah, wanna, of course, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I, I want to... I do agree with you um, to a certain extent because the first time I watched this movie through, I felt like I wasn't really on the journey with 
King Arthur. I was standing on the outside looking in, you know what I mean? And I, I saw everything happen, but I, I just didn't feel what I felt like I should be feeling for this character. But saying that the second time around, because I guess I'm aware of where it goes and whatever, I did pick up a lot more and was able to connect in there a lot more. But most of the action scenes are a montage. Most of the action scenes are these quick cut um, montage, not a mess of things, but just like a crazy fast paced thing. And it takes, it's, it's really hard to sort of catch your breath and just connect. I also kind of like that. I, I don't like that I can't connect, but I love the style of the editing. And I, I love, like I said, how fast paced it is. And I feel really panicked. And I feel like the music is next level in this movie as well. Oh, it's so good. Like, this the is probably. The soundtrack is ridiculous. It's probably the best soundtrack I've heard since Tron Legacy. And that's a big call. I fucking love this sound. I've been walking around Melbourne. You know, when I have to catch a train or whatever, I'm listening to this shit, this shit in my head, and you know, it's got kind of got that that breath sample yeah. going on, like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, I feel like the coolest motherfucker walking around. I feel like I'm just about to, you know, do some Assassin's Creed shit, running up a wall and escaping from the <laughs> from the knights. You know, like it's it's so good, and that coupled with this crazy editing just really brings me into it, but not in a way that I'm with the character, just with I'm so excited about what's going on and mm. i think maybe they should have at least done one action scene that wasn't as crazy um like the darklands like there's a heap of other sessions where it's just very 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 quick and very montagey like i guess the the assassination attempt and the escape from the from londinian is probably the closest that's the best that's my favorite scene the like it's thing. really that's good but the best. And, and i think it works the most because it is still fast, but you, you kind of get the whole thing. I, I, look, I really did like the editing in, in most of it, but I think it's like, I, you're right. Like I get really cool bits, but at the same time, it's like, come on, man, show me that. You yeah, know? yeah. And like Sherlock Holmes and Snatch, both of them have amazing sequences. Like when mm. stuff's going down, they have such good moments. And like in this, I feel like it kind of lacks a little bit more than it should. Like because those were so good when I'm watching this, I expect that same level of quality mm. and i don't get like that 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 scene where they're escaping through londinium i was waiting for my forest run scene from sherlock Holmes uh, too. like yeah. i was like i was like come on baby like let's go like i want to see it and it's got really cool moments but it definitely doesn't you know tickle my pickle the same way well what, what about like you've got the classic guy ritchie well at least what i remember of guy ritchie films of them talking through a plan and showing it as they're talking through it I love that so much. Oh, like that he, that's cool. and that's the sort of shit that he does really well. It's like it's got a good humor, got a good style, and it saves time. And it's one like thing that stuff yeah, saves time. Absolutely, it's the the big thing I have to say about this style of editing. There isn't, there's barely any exposition. The exposition is happening while we're watching something happening. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's so efficient and so great to watch. I, just, I think it's just I think it's just sometimes that the thing that we're watching while the exposition is going on isn't as good as it should be. Well, it's like you're right. 
there is lots of exposition and it happens at the same time as we're watching something else but sometimes that thing we're watching still isn't as satisfying as I believe it should be. When they're in the forest, when they're talking and they're in the forest contemplating shit, I'm like, okay. Oh, you didn't like that stuff. See, I thought that was quite fun. Like, especially when he's talking about meeting up with the other... Oh, no, no, that's a good bit. That's a good moment. I'm talking more like, I don't know. You big posh silly bastard or whatever he says. That's a, that's a great bit. It's just more, it's, it's sort of, it's near the end. It's all near the end when okay. it... All right, well, we'll, we'll get to that. But I, I have to say, I really... All I can say is that this just makes... It's kind of refreshing in a film. Like, it's it's so different to anything else that we really are seeing around now. And I know yeah, it's a, it a, a Guy Ritchie thing. And it's completely different to what I expected. Like, I, I knew this was a Guy Ritchie movie and I, I expected it to be funky... But I didn't expect it to be this funky. If anything, I feel like they've advertised this movie wrong. The trailers and stuff for it kind of sell it as just a little bit funky spin on King Arthur. Whereas if they'd put this music in it with this style of editing, which you would normally do in a trailer anyway, I feel like a lot more people would be excited for this movie. Like I told a bunch of friends at work that I was on my way to go see King Arthur and they're like, oh, why? It looks shit. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like Guy Ritchie's done this. I'm, I'm sure it's got something going on. And they were like, oh, Guy Ritchie did it. I didn't even know. It's like, why isn't that a selling point? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think people don't have trust in the strange abnormalities and stuff within film anymore because we're riddled with fucking white bread. Mm. Um, but that's I, how I really to me think, anyway. Like I, I just think back to the Suicide Squad um, trailer, which was nothing like the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a really cool trailer. Really made a made good use of music. Cut like a music video. Cut the trailer like that, and you you'll probably draw people in. Because now, since I've you know since I've talked to people about this afterwards, I've I've been spouting just what we're talking about in terms of the editing and the music, and they're like, oh, actually, that sounds kind of cool. I wouldn't mind checking that out. So. It's, I, I think it's really strange that they went that way. What do you think about like all the side characters? Yeah, they were great. I love them. That's a Guy Ritchie thing too. I really enjoyed all of them. Like genuinely, I really appreciated all of them. And I think that comes from his, like that's what he does. Like it's just like he builds a world really well. I loved his two, the two friends he has in Londinium are the best. Like they have great fun. But everyone was really cool except for the fucking mage whose performance was so stale and it's not just because of her accent, but my fucking God, she clearly cannot deliver lines well because she there's some sort of language barrier there. Like, it was fucking crap. She was crap. Come on, she's Dude. reading out lines like oh, my man. fucking nine-year-old cousin does. Like, come on. Because I'm probably exact opposite to you. I thought Ugh. all the friends and stuff were just glossed over so much that I didn't care about them. Whereas I actually quite like the mage. <laughs> she's so shit. She does but it's, nothing. Her dryness is what works. I don't know. There's something. It might be because she's really attractive. But I just find it. I just because she's this weird mystical person. It kind of worked for me, and I and I really dug what she was doing because they gave her a lot more. Like she obviously knows what's going on, and they give her a bit more screen time than most of the other guys. And I I kind of connected to her more. Um, I like the fucking... other guys. I like the yeah, other guys, yeah. don't worry. Like the dude with Blue, the kid, and um, whatever his name is when he, he ends up dying. But like I was sad that he died, but like I, uh, those guys just kind of come out of nowhere. They're all of a sudden, they're, you know, I see them, they're, they're part of his crew at the start. And then when he gets taken away, all of a sudden they're just like, ping, they're in the fucking cave with him. And I'm like, 
what? <laughs> like, I think it would have been better if they were kind of working all together somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Um, because they get brought I, with him. Yeah, and that, I think my biggest problem is there's maybe too many characters. Like, you've got, um, yeah, you've got Littlefinger, who's kind of cool, and he gets a little bit, but still not quite enough. Like, then I you like got the dude from Blood Diamond. Yeah, the guy from Blood Diamond, Digimon. I don't know how to say his name right, right? <laughs> but he's, um, he's cool as well, but, like, again, I don't really know what he is. There's the other guys who are part of the Freedom Fighters or whatever they are, and there's one dude with a beard who's just always there. Percival, I think. He gets knighted at the end. Like, who the yeah, fuck is does. that guy? <laughs> he's just there. I think because of how this film is paced... I was sort of less inclined to be bothered by it because mm. I think the only other character other than Arthur and Jude Law that gets attention is the mage. And yeah, for me, I think the mage is fucking garbage because <laughs> it's one, can't fucking act. Two, why isn't it Merlin? Like, I know if obviously, and I get it because of course, God forbid you just make one film, it's going to be a franchise, but Merlin will show up as some fucking big name middle of the fucking film will turn to Johnny Depp like in Fantastic Beasts or whatever. <laughs> but like, it's like, it's, I kind of sat there and I'm like, man, for a King Arthur film, I think one of the selling points is Merlin. And mm. I think what I'm frustrated by is it's like that character could have been Merlin. Like that character very much could have been Merlin. The only thing that stops me from believing that they, from, from it being Merlin is, aside from the fact that there's going to be more than one film, it is that he needed some form of love interest, like something, you know? Mm. And I don't really think that was necessary because I, I, I could really, I really, I don't know. I was just expecting Merlin and I think I'm, that was well, something that led to me being disappointed. I don't know if it will become a, a love interest because isn't the love interest of Arthur Guinevere or whatever her name is? Yeah, like, I think it's just for this film. For this? I mean, like, yeah. Well, did, you, did you get love interest from it? I didn't. There were moments at the start he's like flirty with oh, her and then comes her, yeah. to comes yeah. to appreciate her and then there's a moment where she's about to die and he like goes mental and kills everyone. Again, I think that was the moment. Like I think it's meant to be that. And I know that she's gonna be redundant later if there's another film, because Merlin, Merlin is the is the key. Yeah. He's the fucking sorcerer. Like, come on. And that's the thing that I think bothered me as well. It's like I'm sitting here and I'm like, come on, like if you're going to set up a franchise, like at least set up the characters that we're going to see the, every time. Like, I don't want to fuck... Because she's going to die later. She'll die. Oh, she'll be... Sure. She'll, she's going to be the Gwen Stacy. She's the Gwen Stacy of yeah, this franchise. Yeah. Turns into Mary Jane. Like, she'll fucking die. And it'll be Guinevere, whatever her name is. I don't even know. But this is like... I don't know. I just... I, I kind of think that was a bummer. But again... This is sort of what Guy Ritchie does in a way with other films. And I don't think it might have been done as well. But like, look at Snatch. If you watch Snatch and Lockstock, those films are riddled with characters. Some of them last five seconds. Some of them last two hours. So I kind of was okay with that, if that makes sense. It's, it's so funny because I am torn. I know why they're not getting much. It's because of the fast pace of the film and the editing. Yeah. Like it, it, it's 100%. But I feel like there could have been a way to just inject something. And I... I do think that there probably is some sort of director's cut out there that will end up being three hours long. But I, I think with the mage, because I liked her, I liked having her around. I, I like the mystery of that Merlin is still in this world, but I don't know what he is or who he is or how powerful he is or if he's still alive, what's going on. I'm excited to move on to that plot point, whereas I feel like it might have become a little bit congested if Merlin came in here because there are too many damn characters as it is and they're not getting anything. So, you know, if Merlin comes in, then they're definitely not going to get anything. So I think for me, it was like replace the time given to the other mage to Merlin. 
that yeah, was fair where, that, and I think I mean that because that's that they're the two big hitters. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I get you, but I also feel like she didn't get that much, so I feel like Merlin would warrant a little bit more. Mm. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. How did you feel about King Arthur though? Yeah, he was Char fucking good. He was really good. Charlie Hunnam, yeah. I what else has he done? Uh, uh, the Anarchy. Um, what is it? Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Was he? Wasn't he in Man from Uncle? No, that was no, that was um, the guy from Lone, uh, the Lone Happened Ranger. Um, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. that was um Archie Hammer. Archie um, Hammer, yeah, yeah. King Arthur, Crimson Peak. Um, oh, okay, so he's been in some pretty cool stuff. He's yeah, he's like sort of working his way to leading man. I think he's a great leading man. Like I, I really enjoyed him in this role, and I, I like. And, you know, it's very much the, the Guy Ritchie spin on this this thing. Like, the laddiness he brings to this very regal role, you know? Like, just him talking, walking around saying bollocks and you big posh bastard and stuff like that. Like, I just... It's really cool. And I, and I can't... I get behind him. I want him to win. And because he does struggle a lot, he, you know, he's sort of... You know, obviously, he's got the whole Batman syndrome where he's watched his parents die and we've got to keep going over that over and over and over. But he does feel vulnerable. Like, he is a tough dude, but I, I feel I feel for him. And I liked going on the journey that I was able to pull out of the crazy editing. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, he, he was really good. I think, he, I think all of the performances in this film were great. Um, and I think what Guy Ritchie really nails is the banter. Yeah. The banter aspect and, and yeah. really making things feel fun. Make them feel laddy. It's like a bunch of lads out on the town, you know? That's what it yeah. always feels like. And um, he, he does a good job of that again in this with everyone. Yeah, of course. Of course. And when he pulls out Excalibur, good God, I thought that was so cool. That's a good scene. That's Holy a really good shit. scene. Mainly because of the music. The music is off the charts, but it's just a really well done thing. And I like what they did with this sword. Like this movie's called Legend of the Sword, and the sword is so important. You've you pointed it out before, it is OP as fuck, but you know, like he's gotta be able to handle the sword first, which I like. Like it took him a while before he could actually even do anything with it. Like when he first pulls it out, he faints. Yeah. I think that's really yeah. cool. And you know, it's got all like the blue runes on it that are lighting up and his eyes go well you know all blue as well it's just it's just very cool very super saiyan <laughs> this is the one thing i want to talk about though okay right with the sword is i don't know whether or not well i do know i do enjoy the how like it, he has to work for it and that's something i didn't think i was going to enjoy was like a sword's a key like point mm. but it's cool and it, it makes a lot of sense and it's awesome to see but one of the things i don't didn't like and this is just how the sword's represented I don't know if I really like that it becomes like a fucking nuclear bomb. Like it just yeah, dominates okay. the entire... Like I sort of expected more along the lines of it being a little more abstract, like in Lord of the Rings, how Aragorn wields the King Gondor, the King of Gondor sword. Is that what it is? The, the sword that kills Sauron. Yeah. You know how he like holds that and it's like yeah. only the true king can hold it. That's how I sort of felt like I wanted it to go more where, you know, this sword is really like powerful but you know it's powerful in more of an internal sense than an external sense like i wanted to see the power from him mm, you know i wanted mm. to see it like and i think that's just how i want things to go and i think the other thing I, the reason i think that is because it becomes very video gamey doesn't it like yeah. oh yeah it gets real gamey and i it sort of took it away from me because i'm like it, you could still make a fucking kick-ass scene without him zipping around you know 
Um, and I believe that because I've seen Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the, the video gamey funkiness. Like, I loved the scene in The Hobbit when Legolas is jumping around on the people oh, that are going down the, in the barrels. Like, I love that shit. I think it's really cool if you can do it right. That did it right. 300 did it right. This one, not so much. I do yeah. like the sword. I love the sword. And I actually like the idea that it becomes a nuclear bomb. I, because it's when it connects with him, it's been made so... You know, only this sort of, only a, uh, you know, a descendant of the king can use this power because Merlin gave it to him. And I, because I know who Merlin is, I'm like, fuck yeah, he's obviously this powerful sorceress who's going to come in and, you know, make this the most OP weapon ever. Um, that's why it was a gift to the king. I'm okay with that. I, I go with it and I love that feeling of when he first tames it, you know? Like when, when he's in the dojo at the end of that chase scene. And it, and it does do the nuclear bomb thing. Oh I yeah, it's great. I really scene. liked that. I really, yeah. really, really liked that. And then he's and everyone's like, shit, the true king's back. You know, like it had to be some sort of extravagant event for me to believe that. And I think that did it. But as we come to the end of the film, uh. when it does that that thing, uh, like the, the the they try to do the three hundred thing, it just looks a little bit. It looks so shit. It looks like a it looks like a video game trailer. Like I felt like I was watching a trailer for a video game. Like well, and, that's and, what and, they do. Well, especially um, you know, the fight with Oh my god, yeah. Like, like that was straight out of fucking Soul Calibur. Like <laughs> my god, like that's what it felt like when I was watching that scene. Well, and this yeah, is what I mean. And like, like, I, I don't mind the design of that bad guy and whatever, but as as you know, in something like Bloodborne or Demon Souls or something like that, but or Mortal Kombat even, but it doesn't it doesn't really feel like it fits this kind of world. Like it, it's too it's too video game, and it is the fight's okay, and I like some of the like, the speed ramping stuff and whatever, but it does feel very Soul Calibur, like you said, that's perfect. And it, and this is the problem I have, like that scene in the in the dojo where he wipes everyone out. Mm. Like I would have, I think I would have appreciated a scene more where they do a sequence where he pulls the sword out and you see him fucking like not light up necessarily, but he gets the power. But instead of him wiping everyone out and everything slows down, like he just becomes like a fucking ninja almost. Like you know what I mean? Like he just takes everyone down. Well, that's kind of what happens later when he's outside the castle. Yeah, and but the thing is, like again, the sword is like it slows him down. He's dashing around and shit, like. I think that's my issue. But again, more importantly, the fight that I had a big problem with is that, that fight at the end oh, against yeah. Jude Law. Okay. <laughs> I don't I wanted to see Jude Law fight King Arthur. I yeah. didn't want to see I didn't want to see Mr. Digital Monster fight him because CG never trumps practical effects. And he also ever. had like a really shit voice as well, like the classic bad guy voice from every 80s cartoon ever made yeah and that's and i think the other thing is like that all just happens so quick like the snake thing he gets bitten and he walks in and then the monster snake like did i miss something by the way why the fuck did that happen yeah i was just about to ask i was just about to ask that well in the darklands you do see the giant snake yeah um in part of that montage she's kind of controlling it, I'm guessing, because the whole thing at the start is, you know, the mages call forth the beasts of war. They call call forth, I'm, I'm guessing, like giant creatures, like yeah. giant elephants and whatever. Yeah, I was quite confused as to what that snake was and where it came from, or if it was real, because he just went through a whole thing where he got bit by the snake that she, you know, it comes out of her sleeve. Yeah. It comes out of her sleeve and he bites it, it bites him, and he's... 
is basically stoned as he's walking through the forest and there's these weird like naked tree bitches coming out of the trees and I, I was like is any of this real i wasn't i wasn't really sure what that was all about like did you do you know what that venom was I think the venom, I thought the venom was so he can, the snake doesn't try and kill him. That's what I thought it was because it yeah. murders everyone it and murders everyone else in the room. So he gets bitten by the snake and then the, they have the other snake come in. So the sword gets stuck in the stone or something again. But that I don't was know, another that, thing. Like I wasn't sure because that didn't seem like it was, uh, you know, calculated. That, that first snake was coming down. It was going for Jude Law, you know, and he was quick yeah. enough to chop it. And then this other one comes through. But isn't she controlling it? She's she... controlling the little one. I don't know. I thought it she was controlling the big snake because she's still got the... what I fucking mean. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It was just such a strange sequence to me. Like, it was it's such a strange Look, scene. I have to say, though, it looks fucking cool. I think it was great. Like, a great snake, sequence. Yeah. But I don't cool. know what it means. And, um, and like I said, I'm really confused as to what... And even watching it the second time, I still couldn't quite get through it. And, and then Jude goes... Law escapes. Like, he goes away. He's gone. Yeah, he just disappears. You don't even see him disappear, but you yeah. see him down in the thing. And I was okay with that, but, like, the, the fact that the snake's just going around going ham. But I, I think we're just to go along with the fact that she summoned this giant snake and it's come through and it kills everybody to leave him and Jude Law to go at it. My next question is, as he goes outside and then has to kill all those people, why didn't the snake kill all those people, too? Yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like I don't have an answer for yeah, you. Yeah, you want to talk about OP things, you've got this giant fuck-off snake. <laughs> yeah, it's... I like... I I don't know. I think I just wanted less of that stuff because I really wanted to see Arthur work for it a little more, you know? Like, because when we do see him work for stuff, it's really quick. Like, we don't really get to see him get in the thick of it too much. As much how as did, I like... How did he even get to the top of the tower? I missed that both times... Um, he, well, he's at the bottom of the tower, and yeah, then he kills all those people with the the three hundred type thing. And then he goes, he goes into the bottom of the tower, and the sword transports him to the same place. Oh, it must be the equivalent okay. to the Darklands or something, because the right. whole tower lights up when he's in it with the sword. But that like that act was so quick and out of nowhere, and I think that was something that really bothered me is that I I kind of felt like. I had this amazing scene through Londinium, which I really did love that sequence. Mm. Like it was good. And then it just sort of stops and then it goes static again and then it comes back. And, but when it comes back, it's so quick. And I was just sort of, I was a little like, what? Like, when did, what the fuck? Like, it just... Even though it's epic and big, like in the way that they've done it, it didn't mean anything to us because we don't understand. You know, especially the snake. Like, I didn't understand how he got teleported to the friggin', you know, the battle zone. Um, the, the fight was okay you know the big 300 fight was okay but it was still not what i would expect from you know something that's trying to copy 300 which is like over 10 years old you know it's, yeah it's uh i don't know it was just a little underwhelming especially when we've had so many other good sequences before this i expected like a full-on war of types and you know and even and and then but saying that like the whole thing is that he's kind of sneaky he's one man with a, a small band of of you know guys helping him out that has to sneak through things and when he when he says that part at the um you know in the forest when he wakes up from his epiphany when the lady of the water gives the the sword back to him and he says oh we're just going to walk straight into the castle i was like oh what plan has he got here and he literally just walks straight into the castle the castle yeah like it's not it's not clever <laughs> and giant snake comes out of nowhere and i'm like the fuck's going on 
<laughs> wow, he's so witty and charming with his massive snake. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck was Come that? Come on, boys. Chop, chop. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Is that everything? Have we covered it all? I think so. Well, let's wrap it up with the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good. Uh, I am going to say, I think you and I have a couple that we're going to be similar on, but I'm going to say the banter. Big fan of the banter. That's my good. What's your good? My good is all the way the fucking soundtrack. Holy shit. Best soundtrack I've heard in a long time. So good. I Even if you haven't seen the movie, go and get the soundtrack. It's so good. The bad. My bad would be the pacing. I just think it's poorly paced. And I got a real problem with that. What's your bad? Uh, I think my bad would have to be not making Jude Law's daughter a bigger deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ugly. My ugly would be... My ugly would definitely be the Jude Law fight at the end. That was disappointing. I wanted more from that. Yeah, I would have to say my ugly is just that Jude Law turns into that thing. (laughs) It's a bit shit looking. It's just... It's ugly for yeah. a film, you know what I mean? Like, if this was a film even 10 years ago, I'd probably accept that. But we've come so far with this, you know, technology and things. And, and as cool as that looks, like, that would look great as a matte painting on my wall or something that I'm fighting in Bloodborne. But as this, in this real world, like, even the snakes and stuff looked really cool, but this didn't look that cool. Like, in, in terms, it just didn't fit. So that's my All right. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this shit up. Look... I love Guy Ritchie and his style really um, stands out in this film. And I think honestly that if this was the film that it is without his um, direction, it would fail horribly. But because of what he does with it, I think it is um, a pretty decent time. I really did have a fun time. I do feel similar to Man From U.N.C.L.E. when I watched this show in the sense that I, I did enjoy it. To an extent, but I think um, it has issues with its pacing, which Man From U.N.C.L.E. did as well. And yeah. I think it has issues with sort of prioritizing what the audience wants to watch. And he does a really good job sometimes where you're like, holy fuck, this is amazing. But then he does a job where it's like, dude, I don't want to watch this. Like, there's no in between. And that's something that I kind of felt disappointed with. And I, for some reason, think about Mad Max when I say that, because the last Mad Max is a film where every minute of that film is fun to watch. Like every minute of Mad Max is amazing to absorb. Whereas in this, I get that sense Mad Max gives me where I'm like, holy fuck, this is so cool. But then I also get, okay. Um, And that's disappointing. The fight at the end with Jude Law is also, the third act really does fall this film down a little bit. And I didn't really appreciate the video game stuff, but that would definitely be very subjective of me because there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't think it works as well. Mm. So this film gets... A, 2.5 out of 5. The most average of average, of average scores. scores. Yeah. Look, I've, uh, I did the silly thing of accidentally reading a review before going and seeing you this You fucked movie. up, kid. It was just, it came up on my feed and I just fucked them. It was, at first it was a bit about how the movie had been made and I was like, oh, this would be good to know. And then I just kept reading and they went on <laughs> to rail. I'm so weak. <laughs> yeah, they went on to rail this film. Like, and I've gone and read, read a few other critics' reviews and they all, like, gen, the, the general consensus is that this film is trash. What? And no fucking way. No way. If, if I can explain, if, is there, if, if there's one word that I can use 
to describe this film is that it is fucking cool. Like, this is a cool movie. Doesn't mean it's a great movie, but this is... It's too cool not to be... It's, it's too cool to be a bad movie, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, I have too much fucking fun watching this film to come out and be like, that was shit. I can see why people wouldn't like it. Like, I've pointed out a few things here that are, are pretty bad. Like, Jude Law's villain creation like there's nothing to that character except that he's a slimy snaky bastard and we hate him because he's a bad guy but we don't really get behind him or what he is there's just nothing to him the the daughter thing is unforgivable to me um you know it is it is pretty hard to connect to king arthur because of the style of the film the pacing of the film was very quick and they don't really focus on a lot of things but that's also why i like it i really just it's just a breath of fresh air seeing something like this that just has so much style to it it's just so cool like that first fucking montage of him growing up as a kid fantastic most of the other montages all worked for me all the plan you know them telling the plan while executing it all in the same edit really worked for me the final act is a bit underwhelming the final fight isn't as good as it could have been but man i, I <laughs> Like I said, I saw this two times. The first time I saw it, I, I came out and I was a bit disjointed. I was a bit disjointed. I couldn't, I couldn't connect to this character. I couldn't connect to the film. I was too tired to be taking on something so fast-paced. It was like a really late session. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad I went back and watched it again because I really wanted to like this movie. The next day, like I saw it on a Thursday night. And the next day, I spent the whole day listening to the soundtrack. And I was like, nah, I need to try again. I need to go again. So I went again in the morning and came out with the consensus that I really enjoy this film. I give it a 3.5 out of 5. There you bloody go, champions. Hope you enjoyed that one, hey? Hey? Cross. Hey? Alrighty then. That's it. That's bloody it. Well, that's, that's us done for the week. What's next week, Fish? Next week. That's right. It's Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. We're going back and reviewing it for a second time. <laughs> No, it's um, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Is that what it's called? No, Dead Men Tell No Tales. There is another <laughs> Dead Chest Man's Chest. That's the second That's the one. Second one. Fucking hell! I'm just trying to watch through the one at the moment. Actually, I'm going back and watching all the other films if I can um, before I go see the new the one. The second one was my favorite. See, I didn't really like the second one when I f saw it way back in the day, but I'm enjoying it. I'm about halfway through it at the moment, and I'm enjoying it. I really like the first one. The first one's gold. First one's a gem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, are you a Pirates fan? We haven't really talked about Pirates of the Caribbean. It's um, the first one that's come I up like, since... I think Pirates of the Caribbean 3 was the first movie that disappointed me. Oh. Like, it was a I, bit weird, but I do like it. I do like I it. I remember loving the first and second one as a kid and then going to see the third one and I remember feeling really bummed out because I didn't like it. Mm. I, I thought it took it in a... Like, it takes it... It takes this turn, like the third one really took a turn from the first two. And was that the first one without um, Orlando no, and Kira? That's the fourth one, which is garbage. But like the third one gets really dark, but like all the character relationships are weird and it's just weird. It's fucking weird. <laughs> I didn't dig it. I really didn't. It's funny, I didn't really like Pirates of the Caribbean when I was a kid. Um, like as like when it first came out, I, I just kind of didn't get behind it until I was a bit older, and um, now I love them. I think they're just great adventure films, and they good, are good, good adventures. Fun. So I'm excited to see another chapter in that story. 
Well, Orlando Bloom's in this one, but I have a feeling that he'll be in it for five minutes. Yeah, I don't think it's off. a big thing. He's not in any of the trailers. It's his son that's in the trailers. Turner is the Summer Australian kid. Oh. Anyway, we will talk about that next week on our 141st episode of Fish and Connoisseur Movie. So until then, you can follow us on Stitcher. You can follow us on Podbean. You can follow us on SoundCloud for our most recent episodes. But please go over there, go to our Facebook and leave us a comment. We've had some really good conversations with people about Alien Covenant last week. I'd like to keep that sort of going. So if you've got any thoughts on King Arthur, if you thought it was trash, like all the critics out there, please let us know. Uh, but until then, play the music, Connor. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fish and Connoisseur Movie. Fish and Connoisseur Movie podcast does not own any rights to the film King Arthur, its marketing or its soundtrack, and no infringement is intended. The track Growing Up Londinium is composed by Daniel Perberton, and the track The Good, The Bad, The Ugly titles is performed by Ennio Morricone.